Welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Good evening, everyone. How's it all going? We are live tonight with Helen and um, we're taking the fear out of that as uh, as we've uh, advertised. So um, I hope you've all been busy. Our phones have just been red hot today. The groomers in the shop have just been like, oh, well, someone shut that phone up. But, um, you know, it's really nice being busy, isn't it? And uh, getting these dogs in. They certainly need, some of the dogs I've seen today certainly needed a trim. There's hair everywhere. Um, I can see why Colin's podcast is called the way it is. Absolutely hair everywhere. So how are you doing, Helen? How's it, how's it been? How's your day been? Fine, busy like everyone else, but yeah, fine. Awesome. Still alive, yeah. It's a busy time, busy time. So you um, you replied to a comment, I think, on the Facebook group at some point. I was I was banging on about VAT and like how it should be your target and uh, like how you should smash it. And there's quite a lot of um, fear and negativity around the VAT um, subject. And tonight we're going to talk about um, normal like VAT on your on your everyday turnover. So I don't really want to. You don't run a school, do you? So. I don't really want to touch on the complex issues around VAT and whether you're a training school and that, that that's, yeah, that's for, that's for another day. So this is just going to be around your, your run of a mill grooming business, um, which you've grown to the 85,000 threshold. So you replied to a, a few comments and uh, I found that you had a really positive story to tell about your VAT journey and um, what you'd learned about it. So I wanted to bring you on live and uh, sort of talk to the other groomers and explain your journey. But before we do that, maybe you can just um, give us an idea of how you got into the dog grooming industry and how it all came about. Yeah, it was by accident, really. Um, (laughs) Doing my O-levels, 15, and not really any idea what I wanted other than that I wanted to work with dogs or or animals. And every teacher turned me away from it, saying, no, don't do it. Um, and woke up by a, a friend of my mum's, basically needed help in her grooming salon, and my mum dragged me out of bed early hours of like seven o'clock, which is early for a fifteen-year-old on the, a break. And yeah, and I went in to help out for a day, and it went from there. It, it's I loved it, and to, to duck to water really, and that is where it all began, and um, that person took me on so I worked for that that chap Simon and I worked for him for 12 years and did my sitting guilds which only just came out actually when I was you know back 19 I think I think it's 1994 something like that it was a long time ago um so yeah I I did my sitting guilds carried on and then he turned around to me one day and said he was selling the business and moving away and he literally gave me a weekend to decide whether to buy the business, <laughs> uh, which I couldn't do. But anyway, the, the person who was buying it, the sale fell through. So long story short, I ended up having the business and took it over and ran it for six years, sold it for six years while I had my children <laughs> and then got it back. And I've had it for 10 years, so 34 years in total. 
but the you same is, I've not left it. So no. I've either owned it or worked it. Um, you just couldn't shake this business off, could you? You, you couldn't no, buy it. You I love it. it. I, I, it is so passionate. And I, I mean, I've still got customers now that I, I've known since I was 15. So wow. generations of dogs. And there's so many of those um, that are so loyal that it's quite embarrassing because they've known me since I was a dirty, snotty 15-year-old. Now I'm a sort of grumpy 49-year-old. But, yeah, it's, those people are still there. And I think loyalty it goes to show. And I've made a lot of changes along the way. When I took over the business, it was running at a loss. And it was a pet supply store and a, a dog grooming. And the dog grooming, it's about 50-50 of what he did. But I, I didn't, the pet side of it, the pet shop, it was it was so much stress i didn't enjoy it a lot of it was um wastage and stop taking mm. so i i literally moved the salon bigger got rid of the pet supplies and the dog grooming grew so how many um how many tables baths staff how, how many tables we've got, and we've got three grooming tables i employ all my staff um i've i've never had the self-employed sort of thing I just prefer employment I think um it works well for both the team and myself I feel that I've got that umbrella because I, I always worry if I had self-employed if anything went wrong it's still my business name but I haven't got as much control over something going wrong you know whether it be a hairstyle and I think actually your customers get to know your own sort of styles in the yep. way that you groom and I've trained my staff to groom like myself so we've got a little bit of a a, a reputation for the styles that we do um so i've got three tables but we actually also have sides that we groom on so we've got like uh work tops with all the beds are underneath i work i prefer to work on that rather than a table um just the way i was trained so there's seven staff seven wow seven, yeah one is my husband so he's the <laughs> odd job man and i've got three groomers and myself so four groomers and then i've got uh my three children one does reception and the other two do bathing and prepping so it's yeah small team but good it works well and what sort of um customer base do you know how many sort of customers you've got it's thousands i i mean i've got (laughs) four i i haven't gone on them online at the moment so i'm still old-fashioned pen and paper and i've got four solid drawers packed of record cards and I've I've only just cleared them out because I every year I go through and sit them through and I get a pile like that and yeah. I probably got I don't know it's thousands it's thousands I couldn't I couldn't count wow you're doing really really well and so you you took this business over and um it was running at a loss so what did you do straight away to start picking the business up and changing changing it around already there were quite a lot there's a good customer basis um my previous boss was he had the same prices for years it was just he might put them up a pound a year he used to do collection and delivery and he i know it was a long time ago so obviously pricing was different but he used to charge something like one pound fifty to collect a dog <laughs> in that to me that went straight away the collection and delivery i think i did it for a year just to keep those customers happy and yeah. wean it down it took an hour to get across the other side of town. That's an hour I could be doing a dog. Yeah. So for a few quid, and actually those customers all came to me. They can do it, you know. So that I scrapped that. I upped all my prices because actually I 
I wanted to drop the level initially of customers that there were because it's too many for me to deal with. And I literally like whacked on a load of a price. I think I added on about 10 pounds. And at that time, that's a lot to go from dogs at 22 pounds or ridiculous prices and doing that. I went quite substantially higher than a lot of other salons. But back then there weren't a lot of salons. It, it wasn't known. It was, it was not an industry that was hardly, hardly known about, to be honest. Mm. Um, so there wasn't any competition. What did your customers say when you just said, right, I'm charging an extra £10? They admired me for it. I, I didn't just do it and without explanation. Mm-hmm. I warned people I was going to do it and I explained why I was doing it. And I said the business is running at a loss. And if you're going to want us to carry on doing your dogs, I've got to reconstructure it. And they understood. I think because I spent a lot of time talking to people, I like to talk, as you know, um, <laughs> It's just a lot of it is just communication. Yeah. And I think I lost a, a few, but actually a lot of those came back anyway. And it just it just worked it worked well for me. I had um I, I had a, a small team that worked for me and one of the girls um that was working with me at the time, I kept her on in employment. So we already had our little team and we just worked really well and it went from strength to strength, really. So, yeah. But but with putting up your prices and being busy comes that big bat question, doesn't it? And how did you, did you know about VAT before you bought the business? Before you, how did you, how did you become aware of what it was and that you're something that you're going to have to deal with and come? I I mean, originally my boss was VAT registered because of the pet shop, but he had it, he had two different businesses. and the grooming was making no hardly any money. It was, as I say, it was running at a loss. So I, I never even thought that the VAT would ever, I never crossed my mind that I'd be big enough to get there. I thought I was going to be a small little business. So I didn't even think I was going to he- ever hit a figure like that. But actually, yeah. it happened really quickly um, to get to that kind of mark. It, it dropped back down because I, I slowed down because I had children. Mm-hmm. But yeah. When I got back into this time round when I bought the business, so 10 years ago, I was just every year, it was getting harder. I was turning away customers. So I, w- I was kind of figure watching every month thinking, okay, if I go over, I was that close last year. So I knew that each month I had to make less because to keep prices, I was keeping prices the same for years because I yep. couldn't put a price up. If I put a price up, I'd hit the VAT. And I'd have to lose customers. So I, I was literally charging the same for years in a row because I couldn't charge any more because I would lose, I would have to shut my books, not only just shut my books, I'd have to tell people to go elsewhere because I couldn't afford to have them on my books because I'd be over yeah. the threshold. So And what was your um, what was your mindset? What was your worry around um what, what was motivating you to slow yourself down and stop taking those customers on i initially i think i thought um if i if i go smaller it's going to be less stress and i i, I thought if i could just keep going smaller and then I, then it starts thinking actually if i do that i'm gonna to have to get rid of staff and i i really like my staff they're a good team <laughs> and they've gone a long way with me so to give them a decent wage and to give myself a decent wage 
and to cover my overheads, I kind of needed, I couldn't make, even if I paid them a wage, I couldn't make enough profit with everything added together. Mm-hmm. So everyone was against the VAT and I, there's no other salons. I mean, even now there's hardly any salons that are VAT registered. And I was in the mindset that, oh my God, I, I'm going to have to pay 20% or a flat. I do the flat rates, so it's 12%. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to charge that to my customers because I can't afford to pay that. And you're not paying it, you're collecting it. And I think a lot of people think the tax, that's coming out of my earnings, but it's not. You've just got to now collect that. You've hit that threshold. Now you've got to do your duty of collecting that back. And actually, when you look at your own price and you think, okay, add on 12%, it's not that bad. So I, initially, I had all my regular customers and I was very nervous about making that leap for them. I warned a lot of them it was going to come because I could see it coming. And I said, look, it's, it's a choice I'm going to have. I've either got to go for it because my business has got to this point and I want to keep you all on my books and I want to stay open to other clients. And they, they were really supportive and they knew for a few months before it was happened mm. that they were going to get that increase. And then all my regulars, I only put up, I put between the 10 and 12% depending on, I had some customers from, as I said, when I was 15 years old, they're the harder <laughs> ones to, yeah. to get, you know, but I did, I put everything up and the new clients coming in, I restructured my price list to 20%. So I had a lot better for my new dogs coming in. So it was hard for the first year because yeah. you was, I wasn't seeing any benefit from it. And I had to just sit on the level so, but I have been sitting on that level for a long time anyway, because I couldn't do a price increase because the price increase alone would have taken me above it. But actually very quickly, my profit is, is, is doubled like overnight because I could be more constructive with my pricing because I didn't have to limit myself and I've grown. So you said earlier, you know, you're you're on that threshold. You're you're sort of battling the I call it like a beast of the business. You're battling with it and saying, no, you don't. You're not running away from me. You're not running away from me. Um, and you're saying like everyone was telling me not to do it. So was that friends, family, business associates, accountants? Who everyone. Was- yeah. Even I mean, the accountant sort of warned me that oh, you're you're going close. You're going close. You've got to make a decision. And it was, it, so he, he wasn't too bad. He, he just was kind of saying, if you do it, you need to add it on. Don't, yeah. don't swallow it. You can't absorb it as a company because you'll end up just working that extra 12% and you'll be worse off. He said, you have to add it on. And that's what I did. You, you've got to add it on and understand it's not coming out of your money. It's just the only thing I would say to people is to maybe for that, to go a bit higher than that. If they're going to do flat rate, go a little bit higher, add on 15%. So they're getting that 3% increase and then stay structured. Because my mistake was I did that and then I didn't rate my prices across the board for mm-hmm. like, I haven't done it for five years, a really big price increase. I've just kind of done enough that I'm paying the VAT and still making Quite, um, I'm probably still higher than the average um, pricing. And now, as I said to you um, last night, I've gone again across the board, 15 to 20% on everybody. And I've had nothing, I, no negativity back. 
And people said, you know what, I don't care what I pay. It's you that I'm coming for in your business. And because I've explained why I've done it, they yeah. understand. Because I just said, look, you know, I did put the prices up, but I haven't, I'm not, I might be competitive with other salons, but I'm not competitive on myself because I am fat registered and I've got there and I'm proud of it. And they see you as established and they say you see you as competent in what you do because you've got that big client base. Mm -hmm. So right. people do see it as a positive. And, and they really care because they pay fat on everything. We all pay fat on most of our, you know, if you want a good plumber, if you want a good electrician, the ones that are good, most of them have a good client basis. So they're fat registered. Yeah. And the ones that are, again, people that are just keeping small. So you're limiting yourself if you don't go for it. That's it. And we'll go into that in a minute. And what interests me is that, um, and I hear it quite a bit, um, is you, you're having, you're surrounded by people saying to you, don't do it, don't do it. But what I'd question with that is what experience do they have? You know, were these people in business themselves? Were they struggling with VAT? Yeah, family. And I think actually my family, they were seeing I was so stressed not doing it because it was causing me sleepless nights worrying about tipping over the edge without me realizing it and getting in trouble. And, and I, I was so stressed by turning people away because I, you know, it's like we're getting phone calls every day, like what we've got today. I couldn't fit those dogs in and that was just more stress. And I, and they were nice people, but I thought, you know, I can't this month. I can't do you this month because if I do you this month, I'm going to be over the VAT. Yeah. So. So you were you were physically battling the VAT and stopping your business from growing just because you you was it like the unknown? You, you just didn't know what was going to happen, I mean, or was it the, the putting the prices up that was scaring you? What what was stopping of, you? Yeah. I think putting the prices. I've always been a bit of a, a wince on the the pricing. Because I think because I, I've been doing it for so long, you get friendly with your clients. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you're a business. And I think you have to think, they, they might be friends, but you're still making a business. And actually, if they care for you, they'll realize you're a business. And it's, it's, like, it's like with anything. I think that you have to be, I was scared, but it's because it is unknown. And actually, there's not many businesses that, service businesses to get to the VAT it's a, it's a huge it's a huge success to get to yeah. that stage so you should celebrate the fact that you've become you know that established and it's fine if you want to stay small there's some groomers that are happy doing that but if you're on that cusp your business is telling you what to do and if I'd done it earlier that price increase wouldn't have been so bad because my I would have done the price increase earlier so my customers wouldn't have had five years of, of knowing my lower pricing and having that whoosh. It would have just been, that's the way it is. So a dog where you're adding the 12% on for your flat rate or your 20% if you're, you're going to go down that route, people would have been used to paying it and they wouldn't have known any different. So they wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had to explain it to everybody so much. It would have just been the norm. 
I've been, you're saying about, you know, if you want to stay small, you can, but I think a lot of people do struggle. I think when you, you start off, obviously you start slowly, but then you get more efficient and better. And when you can become more efficient, you can do more dogs. And then I think people will find themselves quickly racing towards it and not quite understanding how or why, or maybe, um, you know, they're not quite grasping the fact that they're getting so close and that the business is doing well and they're not celebrating that, but then looking at the next stage and I think I mean, it's, you, you if, physically stop it. Even if I worked on my own, even if I worked on my own and I did like minimal dropping a day, doing all of that, I'm, I'm on that VAT level anyway. If I just work quite, not a busy grooming, but the prices that I charge, if you try charging well, you're on that brink anyway. Yeah. So, I just think the more that do it, the more confident people will be at doing it. And it's fine. You just get used to it. It just takes a few months of getting used to it. And then it's the normal and it's fine. I've been doing it for, well, it's 2015. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is something I've pointed out to people as well in the group. It's like, I, we charge back and we, we're still here. We're still, we're still busy. We're still smashing out the work and a phone is still ringing every day. And you've just pointed that out as well. 2015, you went back registered and here you are. You're still here. You're still doing it. You're still, you're still successful. So when you first went over the threshold and you started charging the VAT, did you um, say to your customers, that's £48 plus VAT or that's £48 including VAT? Did you, how did you word it? Yeah, I, I did it including. And I, I just think people find it a bit easier and especially if you if they're phoning up or emailing you, I always say it's inclusive of VAT. And I never just, I never not say it either. It's just, it's always said, and actually people like, you know, if, if you might get a client saying, oh, that's expensive. And then you say, oh, it's, you know, we are an established business. So we're fat registered. We've got big client bases and that's it. That's all you have to say. They're like, oh, well, that's really good. That you know, obviously you're doing well, and it is positive. So you, if you act positive about it, you'll get positive back. You just got to be confident with it. Don't apologise for being VAT registered. No. Say, oh, it's because we're an established business. We we've worked really hard for that, and we've you know we've we've become known. We've got a good client basis, and to keep our books open to new clients, we we have to do it. And I, I will say this motto: if they can't afford you, you can't afford them. <laughs> you know that's my motto it is it's, it's very true you know yeah. you, you get customers that, that might try and say oh can you do it cheaper can you no that's my price you can't that, do it cheaper yeah you'd be consistent with your pricing and your <clears throat> customer service so you've taken you've you've gone VAT registered and um Kirsty's just saying you know what's what do you what do you think about the paperwork what's the paperwork like do you um pay quarterly do you do like use something like quickbooks anything like that how do you zero and i i've got an accountant and it's quarterly i do it but i i put it aside i as soon as that money goes into my bank account i've got another i've got two business accounts i've got a savings and a, a normal current account and it just goes straight out so to me it's not mine it's the tax man's i never have it in the current part so to me it's a bill that's got to be paid same as my normal tax I, I i kind of know roughly what my tax is going to be everything goes out every month 
or every week, every time I do the banking, that chunk of what I've made that week is gone. So, so you, I'll never see it. To, it's a different account that goes out of. So it's never mine in the first place. Same as any other tax. It's so let's break it down for everyone. So, um, so you, you've made, I don't know, £2,000 in the week. And then you take 12% of that £2,000 and then put oh. it into your, into yeah. your savings account. Yeah. And then that you just let that money build up and build up and build up. And then you do your, do you go on to zero and do your quarterly return? No, my accountant does that. So, yeah. you know, I can see it on zero and I, I can, I see what I'm having, but he'll just do it. He, he Every sort of third, like quarterly, he'll go in, say, you're fat, but this time is that. And it's done. And direct debit. So then I, I know what the bill is. I transfer it back into my current account and it, it gets paid. And I pay it on the day, and then so I never see it really, so I don't miss it. It's so um, there's a lot of myth out there that people say, you know, I can't afford the bat or I can't afford to pay the bat. It's not you paying it. A, that's right. As a business owner, they're saying I, I can't afford to have it come out of my account, but you've just demonstrated there you collect it. Mm. You don't. It doesn't. It shouldn't come out of your pocket whatsoever, should it? No, it, it's it's not yours in the first place. It's a tax, so you have to think. That is what you've collected. That's what you're going to owe. So move it aside. Just never have it with your profit money. And it's the same, treat it like anything else. Like I I would, every month, I put away my personal tax of, of what I know I've got to put aside as well. Mm -hmm. Things like on-site account. Any holiday, like the, the staff accrue, again, goes in that. Anything that I know isn't mine goes in that account. And when it's got to be paid, I transfer it back in and it's, is paid and never spend that my money the VAT is not my money yeah. it is added on to my money you've got to think when you're pricing your structure you've got to not think what your price is including VAT you've got to think what it is excluding the VAT that's what you want to charge so if you're looking at a spaniel and you're thinking oh well I want to make 45 pounds for example to me I've got to charge 52 yeah. To make that 45. I, I always round it up. I don't have any odds and ends. I always round up my figures to make it simple. So yeah. if I, you know, want to add on, and I normally do a bit more than the 12% for the VAT. So I always kind of try and think what I want to make and then add on. And uh, going back to paperwork wise, you need to um, obviously put on there that you're VAT registered, you have to include your VAT number. And if you give receipts and invoices and stuff, you have to break down the, the cost on you. Yeah, but I've never been asked to give, you know, yeah. I, I I do um, car payments and they get their receipt for that. I've never been asked for, I, I mean, if, if I've got it, if they want it, but no one wants it. They don't we, care. Um, we, they can't claim it back, really. You might get the old pub owner, or they use it as a guard dog, or whatever. But you know, I got a I chihuahua. Think, it's a guard dog. <laughs> I think we had a builder. Had a, I think he had a Jack Russell or something. Emma might shout out what it was, and he used to always take the receipt so he could claim it back as his guard dog. <laughs> yeah. So you know, if, if if you've got another business owner, they might want to do that. But I think they know really that the taxman's going to think really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't think I don't think I've ever been asked for a receipt. It's it's no more different. It's that didn't change, to be honest. It, no, and when you um, if you ever or when you computerize your systems, and if anyone uses computers, 
um, it does it all for you anyway. And you build your, you build the VAT into the prices and it will input your VAT numbers in and stuff like that. So if you do print off receipts, it's all there for them. But the, um, I was just laughing about that builder still claiming the backpack on his, on his guard dog, which was Jack Russell, I'm sure it was. The, uh, I can't remember what I was gonna say. That was it. So when you're flat rate VAT, so you're charging your customers 20% and you're paying back 12%. So you're making that little bit of profit there as well, which you need to take account of when you're doing your accounts. But you can't claim VAT back on your the products you buy, can you? No. I mean, I think I can't remember. You, you might know when you go flat rate, I did have, you get like, I... I went over, it was Christmas. So you get a couple of months, don't you? You get a couple of months. I went over it in December. One month. Yeah. And then you have a month leeway. And also you can claim certain things, can't you? You can go back six months, can't you? So you, anything that I bought big, yeah. I claimed that back and the accountancy. So I had, that sort of helped at the beginning. So um, I can't remember. It was a few grand I got back initially. And that's the one claim that you can do. Yeah. And then you, so the idea is that you add on 20%, like you say, and then you pay your 12%. But as long as you've got that 12% covered in initially, that's why I did my price increase. I didn't want to add 20% on for customers because that would have been a bit scary. So that's why I did the 10 to 12% and then gradually I've done it. And now, I mean, I've probably gone 30% now to what I was then, but... Yeah, as long as you've got that back covered extra on top of what you want to charge. So at least at least the 12%, I would yeah. say. And then once you've got that for a year, then you can then do... But any new dogs coming in, you have to price better, I think. Yeah. And I think you also highlight, you know, when you're saying about your savings account, if you're a sole trader and you run it all through your personal account, the temptation must be... Um, you know that money sitting there do not spend the vat it is not yours to spend yeah, it is and that's why i i mean i i've got it it comes up on my online banking i forgot both accounts but i almost like blank it out in my head and i'm quite good at that i just look at my current account that's what i've got in my pocket yeah. that's what i've got for the tax man yeah so i don't i'm very strict with that and i've always been quite good on things like that but you have to be that's mine that's not mine if you're not, that I think um, taxes is probably one of the single biggest killers of business. When you start um, dabbling with the taxpayers, the taxman's money, like like VAT or income tax, you start getting into their debt, and um, you yeah. know it can really spiral out of control. They're they're an extremely powerful um, agency, really. And that's why I was getting stressed, to be honest, about the VAT because. I wanted to do it because it gets stressful if you're close to it and you'll think, well, what if, what if I've done something wrong? You, you do, you just think, I mean, this is before all the, like you've got QuickBooks, you've got zero. It's really easy to see how much you can work out without your accountant, how much tax bill you're going to have. Mm. You can just see. And then I can work out, not the VAT, but the, the, um, your actual annual tax bill. You can work it out roughly what you've got for the year and then put that aside each month. So you're not suddenly whacked with a massive tax bill. Yeah, and we want to avoid that. You need, the, the devil is in the detail, isn't it? And keeping a good close eye on what's what's coming in and what's going out. I would always get an accountant, you know, yeah. 
they don't cost it's it's so much stress taken off of you to get an accountant and so much paperwork gone I'm not good with anything like that mm-hmm. and my accountant I do the zero and that's that's it but I'm on the phone to him if there's something I don't understand and you know it's it's sorted for me so I think it's think, and it's you get it's tax efficient anyway you get you just I think people that do their own taxes, unless you enjoy it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really important to have that good relationship with your accountant so that you can just phone them up and ask them that, that question, ask, answer that email just to um, satisfy you or put your mind at risk. It's a lot, lot yeah. it's really important. So uh, what's your next target? So obviously the flat rate scheme has got brackets on it. Mm. I, um Someone's asked the question. So Dawn's asked the question, just looking at the flat rate VAT, is your turnover then capped at 150,000 before you go to the standard 20%? So there are brackets, aren't there? Yeah. Um, flat rate. Yeah, I can't, I can't. Is it 150,000? I think it's a, uh, yeah, I think, you, I think it's, it's but that's pre, that's 100, I think, let me just check it, but I think it's um, 150,000 pre VAT, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, you can probably earn up to you've got turnover. To, you've also got to do, to sell the flat rate, you've got to buy 2% of, um, so you've got to spend yeah. out 2% as well um, of your, each each quarter, I've got to spend more than 2% of what I've made on, but that's easily covered in shampoo, to be fair, easily. But um, So your turnover can go to, and this is including the VAT, you can turn over up to £180,000 before you then have to um, change to standard, normal standard VAT. So it's it's £150,000 excluding VAT or £180,000 if it's easier to look at it that way. So is that your your next target? Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, that's coming, that's, it's not, it's not that fun. it's quite yeah so that'd be the next thing but by then that's why my pricing structure that I've done now I'm thinking of that that coming in the future so I'm just being a lot a lot better with my pricing structure now and yeah. you know I've got other ideas that I want to do as well that you know that's, add that's right Katie's just um, Katie's just joined us, and she's just asking: um, Is there a general rule how much do you put aside each month? So um, we were discuss- we were just discussing that we're flat rated. Myself and yourself are flat rate VAT. So um, Katie, we charge the customer twenty percent, and then we pay the VAT person twelve percent. So you just got to look at your turnover, what you've earned that week, what you've earned that month, and then put away twelve percent if you're going on to um, VAT, flat rate VAT. But also, um, I know Katie's a dog trainer, so I don't know whether the scheme is a little bit different as in the percentages. That's something that Katie would have to sort of check out yeah. to see whether... I think it... Because dog grooming wasn't actually on it, was it? And I think no. they have to go for the nearest... nearest thing. So I would imagine she'll probably be the same because it was 11% and then it went 12 But you have it cheaper, don't you, for a while as well? Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to check out your industry... Um, on with the HMRC to see what their their percentage is. So um, I, I think dog groomers, we have to go down the hairdressing route, don't we? Yeah, something. Yeah, something. It's similar, you know. So uh, what? Having spoken to you as well, what I'm really impressed with is how 
I suppose brave you are with your with your prices and how brave you are with your price increases. <laughs> is it cocky though, or is it you know you know what you want to you know you you are driving your business now, aren't you? You you've got those targets in your head. You know you just told you just said to me. Yeah, that's my next target, 180,000 turnover, and I'm going to get there. So you've got those sort of targets in your head and you're driving it and you appreciate that you need to put your prices up and add extra services yeah. to get there. So and I think I think you are being brave with your prices. There's a lot of people out there that would be shying away from a 20% increase, you know. Honestly, I think I've... I've gone down that route of not wanting to put prices up. When I first started it, and like the, the customers that always make you feel very guilty, we've all had them, and you, you go out and they're the ones that actually, you've got to be strict with it. You have to, because at the end of the day, if, you, if they're loyal to you, they will stay with you. And if they're not, there'd be someone else that will be paying that price that come along and fill their slot. You That's know, it. but... I've got a lady, she's got three little poodles. They're really difficult dogs. And she's the one, one of the ones that's known me since I was 15. And her pricing, each time a dog passes away, she'll get another one. And I've got stuck in that rut with her. But I've yeah. got that conversation prepared for her. <laughs> she's in next week. And I'm just saying, no, that is it. That is it now. This is a business. And I'll just explain it to her. I'll be nice, but I'll explain. And it is what it is. And she'll have to make that decision. She can either stay with me or she can go somewhere else. But at the end of the day, I've got a waiting list of people that will pay the prices. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. And how, how long did it take? It's harsh, but it's actually, I've got to start looking after myself and looking after my team. And yeah. I don't want to work myself to the bone and not, it's, it's a hard job. It's, it's physical. It's hard at the other end of the day when you're doing, everything's in your head. We don't stop at five o'clock. We all carry on. You know, we, we get texts from customers and you want help. There's that extra bit. It's all time. Yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to make a living. That's right. And like you said, you know, you get to the end of the day and you've done your full-time job, but then you've got to run the business in the background, haven't you? You've got to then go and do all your figures and pay your staff. And so it's not just a nine to five job. Most dog groomers who you if you're running the business it's it's a lot longer your days are a lot longer having to sort out all the paperwork and stuff and yeah was there a time when you were quite you felt quite sort of that sick feeling when you're when you were talking about putting your prices up and yeah. how long how long did that last for and how what made you just go no i'm lockdown actually has, has done a lot for me and it saw me I saw my family and things I'd kind of not had because I've been so working so hard, working so many hours. I thought, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I've spent time with my family that's been really quality and I want that back and I want to keep it. So yeah. I want to work less, but earn the same. I want to be greedy. <laughs> and actually, I've got a huge client. I've got a month of dog waiting for me. So I thought, you know what? It's the time to do it. And people are kind of expecting it now. So yeah. I just thought, well, I'm busy. It's going to be make or break. So if my client basis drops, it will build back up again because it always has. You know, it's, it's always gone on. And you might have a little dip when you do a big price increase, but it, it, it never, sometimes you're kind of hoping it 
you get a bit of a dip in the break. It goes on because you'll get new clients coming in. And actually, you also get a lot of clients that if you pay, if they charged a little bit more, they they respect you and they actually think, oh, I'll go there because they must be good that, you know, they can they can charge these prices rather than going to the cheap one down the road. Because they'll think, well, why are they so cheap? That's it. That's it. And but if you get a cheap builder, you're always thinking, why are you cheap? Why, you know? When you're when you're oversubscribed, when you've got people waiting to do business with you, it's a sign that people want to do business. They they really want to use your services, and that is your opportunity then to put your prices up, because they they they're so willing to use you and use your services, they'll pay that extra to do it, and then you manage to you manage out. I suppose is the best way to say it. You manage out the people that maybe you don't want to be. Um, working with you because they're price driven and then again that's another win because you then opening up more room for new people that are going to pay you a higher price aren't you so yeah, yeah. and you, you 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 prove that it works yeah and they, you know the ones i mean i they come back anyway they, they might go but they they generally come back because they'll see why you charge what you charge and you get the you get what you, you pay for at the end of the day, and I think you're better off. It's like it's like with puppies. I mean, I was saying to you, I'm going to charge more with puppies because I'd rather, I'd rather charge more so I can put that quality time in with them and explain that to the owner. That that's why I charge more because rather than a quick puppy intro, I'd rather spend more time and more effort to really focus on your puppy. But I'll have to charge you a bit more because it's my time. Yeah. And people. They, they think, oh, that's good. That's good. That's, that's really good. It's communication. A lot of yeah. it's communication. So lockdown kind of got rid of the um, the fear and you were just no, like... Oh, this, I this changed over the lockdown. I, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I've noticed it in myself. And it's, it's more confidence, I think. I mean, I, I am... The way I go about it to clients is I might be a little bit, oh, I'm doing this because... But actually, that's the way I approach it. But they respect me for why I'm doing it because I explain it to them. I don't just do it. I explain that, you know, actually, I, I want I I want to continue my service, but to do that, I'm going to have to do this. And it's okay. like, and I've had a lot of private messages. I put a post up the other day. A lot of people have messaged me privately and said, well done and thank you. They're offering to, to pay in advance. You know, they... They can't believe that people not show up for appointments and things like that. So these are the clients that are really good. And a lot of them want to book for the year and they want to pay for the year because they want to guarantee they can see that I'm busy. So they want to guarantee their slots now. So And the price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's the thing. I, you know, all the prices are a starting price. I don't do fixed prices. It's you don't know what you're going to get sometimes, even with the regulars, you get a guide. Mm-hmm. But it might be more on the day. And if it is going to be more, I won't just charge someone more when they collect the dog. I'll always phone someone and warm up. there's lights. Yay. That <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, to my wife a minute. Good evening. I, uh, just um, yeah, I just think you you need to just be assertive with it. And I've forgotten, I've lost my train of thought because the light came on. 
So a lot of people, um, a, lot, a, a question that we get a lot in the group is, you know, I want to put my prices up. I need to put my prices up. How do I tell my customers? And I, I was thinking, you know, you're a very busy um, groomer. You have a lot of people coming through your doors. So you can't, do you speak to each one individually or yeah. do you put posts out? and Posts on social media. So Instagram and Facebook is what I do. I don't do Twitter. I need to learn how to do Twitter. But yeah, so social media. I've got a very short little notice that's there to cover me in the shop, just saying we've got a price increase. And it's very short and sweet, no explanation. Price increase from 1st of April. Thank you. That's it. And um, I've... I, I, do you know what? I don't really been asked about it. The ones I've had... In the last few days, no one's, I've just done it. I've not even told them. I've just added it on. Right. Yeah, I say, oh, that's more than last time. I said, oh, well, we did put our prices up from 1st of April. And that's it. Oh, okay. And I've been, you know, some of them I've put up by 10 10 pounds and they've not. Not back Okay. That's honestly, I had one today said, oh, that's gone up. And it's like, yeah, but you've not gone up for like 18 months and it was more work today oh okay that's fine thank so you I think, I think people are, are worried about that rejection or maybe that argument or um being put on the spot i don't know whether that's one of the reasons why people put off the price increases but i've always sort of said the sooner you do it the less worry it will cause you and the the, the worry is worse than actually doing it I mean, the, the big, because I've just done, like I said, 15 to 20% above the board on, and that's minimum as well, across yeah. the board. And I, I did put a thing on social media and I explained about that I haven't done a big price increase since I got registered for VAT. It's just been, I've kept in line with everything and I've kept above water, but I thought, do you know what? I, I want to charge more now. I, I feel I should. And I put it on social media. I put things that I'm going to charge more for, like nail clipping is going to be more. Um, if dogs are matted, I'm going to be stricter. Late collections, little fees that they can incur. Um, I did a list of things and, and explained hand stripping is going to have a 15 to 20 pound extra added on minimum. Mm. Uh, you know, I did all of that and I was really strict with it. And so far, so good. It's working and it's been... It, People have just, and actually, it's made them realise what the job entails. Yeah. They know that it, you know, I, I rather than just writing something like um, a late collection fee, I've explained why. It's like, for example, if you've got a vocal dog, we're trying to keep the salon calm and quiet for other customers. If you're late collecting your dog, it's, it's just A, if you... If you want us to accommodate, we just appreciate you asking us and we'll try to accommodate. If you're just leaving that dog for half an hour barking and we've got to accommodate that dog and we've got another dog coming in, that that owner is going to get stressed because they're leaving a dog with a dog barking. That's where you'll get charged. You know, so I've explained why I'm doing it. Or if you've got a dog that's elderly, collect them on time. Just to explain why, that is because we're looking after the dogs we're not doing this to be horrible. We're doing this to make it better for everybody. So if, you, if you've got a matted dog, the skill that goes into clipping a matted dog, you know, it's not a quick shave off. That will incur extra time and cost money. If you've got two people, that will incur double time. You're paying for two members of staff. Yeah. Because 
And I've, said, I've kind of sort of said things like, it's not fair charging, I feel it's not fair charging someone who comes every four to six weeks, the same as someone coming every four to six months. But I've just explained it all. So you adjust your prices accordingly to that? Yeah. And I think people appreciate, that's why I'm getting the ones like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll come more regular. So that's a good question, actually, because, again, another one I see quite a lot is um, when people join the group, I sort of ask them what their top three problems are. And a regular one problem that people have is getting people to come more often. So you use a pricing structure to incentivize people to come more often. Yeah, and also to say that, you know, the dogs are better. They're, they're the ones that come often, it's quicker. You've got the handovers quicker. Everything is quicker. So they they deserve a, a, a cheaper price. And they're your bread and butter. So I think you have to have bread and butter customers. And they might be a little bit cheaper than the starting price. But I'll show them the starting price. And I'll say, look, I'm doing it for you for that. I make them feel extra special. Don't go telling everyone in the park. That's your price. I'm doing that because you do this and you, you deserve it. So then they feel special. But it might only be a couple of quid below the starting price. But that's me showing loyalty. But I'm still making good money on them because they're coming every four weeks. And I can turn that dog over in an hour and a quarter. So... It, you've got. I think you've got to have a little niche of bread and butter customers that are your. You you need those customers. Whatever time of year it is, whether it's sunny, whether it's raining, cold, they will always come to you. Like that. I think. Uh, I think that's what. Um, when you hit that VAT threshold, that eighty five thousand, and go through it, I think that already shows that you've got those building blocks there you've got those regular customers that yeah. are always coming back and then you just start adding adding more regular customers to carry that yeah. carry that on but i think hitting that eighty five thousand like um sort of target shows that you've got that regular stable client base anyway so that it also gives you confidence to put your prices up because you know you know you've always got that stable platform there and yeah. then looking above it, like you said, it can dip down and go back up again. But you've always got that stable sort of client base that you know is always going to be attending your your shop and having the haircuts done. So, it's not just, yeah, I mean, you've obviously you've done well to get there. You've got you've worked hard, and those people they won't want to just go anywhere else because they've got no, you know, it's their dog. It's it's like handing over to someone they trust. It's not just about having a good haircut. It's trusting someone with their dog which is their most precious you know even i know i'm a mother of three but my <laughs> dog is my my little baby so you've got to, you have to respect those people and they won't just go anywhere else because they've been going to you to be loyal enough to stay with you now and they will just support you i've had i've i've just grown from doing it and i've it's given me wings so yeah you've 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 experienced holding that business back you've experienced trying to keep that business under the VAT threshold it's caused you a lot of stress a lot of worry sleepless nights and then you've allowed the business to go through it and uh, you come out the other side you know six years later and your prices are still rocketing sort of 15 20 percent and your client and you're probably trying to do that to prevent people from booking in but yeah thing you do because you think you know i'm so busy i need to quieten down but he, he they just say oh, okay that's fine 
even the new customers coming in, I've, I've like said to them, you know, our cockapoos might, you know, I said 65 pounds is a, a good starting price for our cockapoos. We've got a few that are cheaper that have been coming for years and they'll, they'll stay a little bit below the level. But again, they're the four to six week ones, which I can do really quickly. So, but a new one coming in, that's, that's what I'm telling people with puppies. That's my starting price and people are okay with it. They yeah. just like, and that's inclusive of that. That's my, and I always say to them, that's inclusive of that. But that is my starting price. 65 to 85 is my cockapoo little barrier. And people will pay it. Mr. Rosie's just saying, love, love that. What, what is generally talked about in a negative way, if you frame it in your head, it's actually super positive. It is positive. Yeah. You, you've taken that stance of celebrating with your customers, saying, you know, look how busy I am. Look how popular we are. You know, people want to use our services and they want to bring their pets to us. And because of that, you know, we've had to do this little thing called that, but, you know, we'll just keep going. And I, I think in the more that do it and, and get this threshold and not see it as, a, you know, it's not a demon. It's just, it's success. If you've got that far, you've got successful. So you should be really proud of yourselves. And I think, you know, I would have never thought in a million years I'd have got to that threshold. And I got there a lot quicker than I thought I would. And it was, I just wish I'd done it earlier. That's my biggest regret is not going for it earlier because by now I'd have grown even bigger. Yeah, so you could be. I've been the things I should have done sort of 10 years ago, maybe more than that, to be fair. Because you could be the 200,000 turnover business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it is, and I and I still love it, and I still love the job, and it's it's still it's relatively small compared to what it, some business, you know, some of the businesses are, have got a lot more potential. They've got bigger premises and things, and that's the other thing I was lucky with is my property, but because I I didn't rent it, I mortgaged it, so I've bought the property. Mm. So you know, you, you just got to be a bit savvy with it sometimes, or brave. Mm. You've got to be brave in business and, yeah. and not let that fear take over. And I was talking to someone the other day and it's like, we don't fail in business. You know, we, there's never a failure in business because you've got to give it a go and you've got to try your best. And then you've got to watch and monitor it and it doesn't fail. It might be that you've just realized it's not working. So you need to change it. That's not a failure though, is it? I think no. you've, uh, you've, you've you fail in business if you don't try it. I think that's probably the better way to look at it. If you don't, if that fear holds you back, then I think that's where you where you do fail in business because. And if people, if your circumstances change, you know, if you go above the back threshold and your circumstances change, whether it be you want to drop right back down through health or just life, you can do that. You can deregister if you think, do you know what? This isn't going as big as I wanted it to go. You can go back small if you need to, but I bet you once you're there, once you've done it, you'll regret not doing it a lot sooner. <laughs> Brilliant. And then you can grow. You can you can structure your prices. You can have your worth. You can do different services. You can add. There's so much you can add on now. The teeth cleaning and mm. all sorts. There's 
I asked I asked a question in the group the other day. It's like, what's your why? Why are you in business? And I think you sort of touched on it earlier. It's like it's now now your why is to free up some more time and be paid generously for that for doing less, yeah. being paid more for for doing less and spending more time with your family. That's kind of yeah. your your why now, isn't it? That's what's going to drive you on and drive your business on. Yeah, because I, I sort of want to sort of slow down myself, but because I've got a good team that they'll be able to work. I'll still be able to earn money by not working. So that's my, that's my aim. I just want to start enjoying a bit of downtime, but the business can make money without me there. So if you stay small, if you want to have good staff and, and good team members, you, if you don't work, you don't earn. Yeah. Whereas I can not work and earn. So you put that foundation in, haven't you? Yeah. But mostly everyone pretty much is this going on this threshold anyway. That's the fact they've already got the foundation. Yeah. 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 It. Everyone, yeah. it's achievable, isn't it? It's achievable yeah. for everyone. It's that it's that fear that holds people back. And that's why um I wanted to sort of bring it back to the beginning of our conversation, you know, how um how nice it is to meet someone that's so positive about about it and so like passionate about going for it and not letting that fear hold them back and that's what uh, you kind of taught us tonight haven't you hopefully <laughs> I just, you know, like i think it's such a good industry and it's needed more than ever now there's so many dogs out there you know that's what people people care a lot more about their dogs now and when i started 34 years ago it was just a oh should i get my dog done it's what everyone wants now. There's so many breeds out there. Don't moan about your clients. Be grateful for your clients because, you know, at the end of the day, they're paying your wage. If you've got a client that's your, your sort of one that you're dreading coming in because it's a difficult dog, charge higher. So at least you're getting good money for that difficult dog. Yeah. Charge yeah. higher. And then they'll respect you more because you're charging higher. I think it's all, like you say, it's all about the communication that you have and that relationship with your client. And I sort of go on about you need clients rather than customers. And that comes from a book um, called Oversubscribed. And, you know, you, you are the very principles of oversubscribed. People want to do business with you. They're waiting. You're on waiting lists. They're queuing up, which allows you to put your prices up. But when you have clients rather than customers, they become your biggest fans and they become loyal and they, they form that customer base. So I very I I never spend on advertising. No. I don't I honestly don't need to. It's just word of mouth. It's just the dog is your advert. The dog going out to the park is is your advertising. The only the only thing I do is my Facebook posts and even that I'm quite used to say if I'm honest. I just stick <laughs> a photograph up. And it it just gets you out there. I'm getting better with Instagram. But I need to watch your, <laughs> your YouTube videos on it. But I, I think it's yeah. I just think you're you're your best advert. You're your best selling. If you just spend a little bit of time with every new customer you get in, five ten minutes. That's your basis. Start them off and explain why you do what you do, why you charge what you charge. If they question it, the products you use good quality products. You spend time. You've invested in your time your training, whatever, sell yourself and, and be proud of that. You know, it, and if people question it and they don't want to pay it, you don't want that client because they never, ever respect you. 
and no. they're never ever they will always barter with the price you don't want them let them go down to someone who doesn't care you want to make money your business Red flag, red flag. Don't want that. Yeah, yeah, you don't. People, I've had a lot of people like that. I've sat quite a few lately. I've oh, done if you've got time, tell us how you do it. Because a lot of, this is another thing that um, I find coming through the, the top three problems when they join my group is um, saying no. A lot of people, um, a lot of people struggle to say no to people and no to customers. So. How, what's your top tips for selling now? Or, <laughs> or um, asking a customer to leave or leave your books? It depends on why. If it's the dog, then you kind of, I kind of give a, I won't just sack a dog because I think, do you know, I don't want to do that dog. I would, I would try with that client and I try and work with the client. And generally, if you've got a client that wants to work with you and the dog's difficult, that I, I, I'm more sort of, towards helping them because if the client understands so my first point with that one would be okay if they want to go out of hours or two members of staff they're going to have to pay for that mm -hmm. so they might be paying double what someone else is but if they want me to help that dog they're going to have to help in that way and I will help if you've got someone who they they don't want you know or rudeness I went I went stand for someone speaking to myself or my staff in a rude way and I'll just say, I'm sorry, I, I, I find you, your manners are rude. And I won't have myself or myself spoken to that way. So if you'd like to just reverse and go out the door, please. And I'm, that is as blunt as I've been lately. Because I had a lady who got really rude in COVID. She was banging on the door. We had one customer in the reception area and we had the door shut. And she was banging and screaming. She was early for an appointment. so. I just sort of waved to her and said, oh, two minutes. And she was banging and banging. And anyway, she walked away. The other client went and she came in and I said, oh, you were really rude then. I said, I said, oh, I, I'm not apologizing. And I just said, well, in that case, you better just walk back out the door. I said, I'm not, I don't want your custom, thank you. And she was like, really? And I went, really? I said, I'm not being spoken to like that. I said, and you stressed out my customer that was, I said, you were early for your own appointment. Yeah. All you had to do was say, you know, listen to me and wait, wait for two minutes. That's all she had to do. So um, if it's a dog that's difficult, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? I just basically say to them why it's difficult mm. and that I've got to think of my safety. I've got to think of my staff safety. And I just feel that your dog is not making a safe and at the end of the day, you're, you're self-employed and your hands are yeah. your tools, the tools of your trade, aren't you? Aren't they? And if yeah. you become injured, that's not good, is it? <laughs> I always thought that if it's a dog, I don't feel happy doing it. I don't want to pass it on to a member of my staff. So if it is, you, you get dogs and it might not necessarily be biters. It can be that they throw themselves around that I feel the dog might injure themselves. I don't want that on my, mm. you know, I, I, I will try. I will try with the dog, but if a customer won't help me, I won't help their dog anymore. I've done it. I've done it so many times. I've nearly broke my back being having those dogs going for me, being aggressive. I just don't want dogs like that anymore. I would see them in the diary. I would hate it. I wouldn't want to go into work. So I've just said, I'm sorry. I'm just ruling out those 
you know, I don't want you anymore. <laughs> I am quite blunt. I've just sort of said, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not feasible for us to do your dog anymore. Yeah. Trying to keep the salon calmer and quiet. And it's it, your also, if you've got a calmer, quieter salon, we're busy, but we're calmer because we, mm -hmm. you don't, if a customer comes in and they can see a dog thrashing around all over the side, it's not good for your business. People think, they don't understand that it might be the dog being a, a git. They think, oh, poor dog, but they still, it's not nice to leave your dog in a salon where you've got a dog barking or throwing itself. So I will do those dogs out of hours if it's a dog that's okay to do, but they will pay well for it and they will pay for two members of staff. And I have, because they, they, I suppose if they take up a, a morning's work, I will charge them what I would normally make in the morning. You know, I've, yeah. I've said to people, that's going to cost you a few hundred pounds. If you don't want to pay it, it's fine, because they can go then. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think the the message is it's your business, it's your rules, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. I won't get, I won't have the risk of being bitten. I'm not a hero. Mm. You know, I, I value my business too much. I value my hands too much. Mm. And I'm sure there's groomers out there. I'm not, I've, I have done those sort of dogs, but I just don't want it anymore. It, people don't appreciate it. I've done it where I've worked really hard with clients and I've, I've gone through all that with the dog. And then generally they're like, oh, I've got the problem solved. I'll go somewhere else cheaper. <laughs> then that dog's mucked up and then they come back to me and that dog's completely screwed up again. That's and I'm like, no, I've, I've said to you, you've got to do blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned from that. I don't. I just don't want those sort of dogs anymore. I I just don't. And it doesn't matter. Or or ones that are just really difficult and stubborn and break your back. People like that, I will do, but I'll charge very high for. Because it's so my it, back. It's my time. It's okay to say no to people. It's okay to turn customers away and it's okay to say no, or it's okay to charge extra to make sure that yeah. that dog that's going to take a lot more of your time is um, viable for your business as well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, or dogs that I feel, I mean, the one thing that I do find really difficult is elderly dogs. You know, those dogs that are, um, you worry about them, that mm. you've been grooming for all their life and you know that they're so fragile. So I will work with those customers, but they have to work with me. They bring them in, they collect them when they have to. But to me, they, they're quite stressful dogs. So I want, I will, you feel like you should be loyal to those dogs with the pricing, but actually those dogs might be taking, I don't know, time and a half more, or sometimes two people. So, that's a hard one to be strict with the pricing on because they've been a loyal customer all their life. So those I'm a little, I'm a bit more lenient on. Again, they loyal, and they'll probably get another dog after and appreciate what you've done. So yeah, I lose money on the little old oldies. But it's your business again, isn't it? It's your business. Yeah. Your business. That's the main message there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a fan out there in Facebook, Sarah. Yeah, so, yeah, I bought a grooming business almost three years ago. Didn't know a thing about grooming or running a business. And thank God for Helen. There you go. Oh, there. Right there. She's doing absolutely well. She's done amazing. She's on the back threshold and she's going for it. And I just said, you know, she's she's bought the business and really turned her business around. So 
it's, it's having a positive attitude and being honest with people. I'm very honest with my customers. If I've got a dog that's behaving difficultly, I'm honest. I don't go out, oh, Fluffy's fine. Okay. I tell them, Fluffy's not fine. Yeah. Let's work on it. It's honesty. And I might say to them, come in every two weeks to, to you know, charge for that. Oh, yeah. I won't do free things. Don't do free things. If right. I ask a dog just to come in, even to sit in the salon for an hour, charge for that hour that you're getting that dog used to it. You're supervising it, aren't you? So yeah. yeah. You just got to be honest. You know, even with puppies, it's hard with a cute puppy, but sometimes they can be really exactly. difficult and the owners need to be told some homework of how to handle that dog. And you get the ones that really listen and they respect you for it and they take it on board. And then that's a customer for the next 10, 15 years. So it's your client base. Put in what you want to get out. The um, this is I hope I really hope that um, as many people possible watch this and it will go onto the YouTube channel so that people can watch it. It's been really um, valuable for their for them and it's a great bit of mindset for them to be more positive around their business. So thank you for agreeing to um, to come on and share share your experiences with us and being so open and honest about your business and um, celebrating the fact that you're doing well and it is there to be celebrated and you're now going to go on and help others, I think, from watching this to be more positive and to drive their business forward. And uh, when I say, like, smash the back, they won't be like, oh, shut up, Bill. Just do it. Honestly, no, do it. Do it. And I, if I'd been in their shoes, like, six years ago, I was scared of it. I was really, really scared. But, you know, I, every year, I would say for a few years before that, I was thinking, oh, you know, each time the budget come, how, how much are you going to put the fresh order? I was like trying to think, can that give me a little bit more leeway? And yeah. that was what was holding me back. And I was so scared of it. And I'm so glad I did it. And I, I've grown and, and I've done that. I, I, I was a single parent and I did it. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. In the words of a famous company, just do it. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. It's been thank brilliant. You. Thank you. Make sure you, um, what's your dog groomer's called, by the way? Million Hairs. But million Hairs. So you can check, yeah. check you out on um, Facebook and have a look at your, yeah. you, um, message your customers and talk to your customers. And I love some of the stuff that you share on your Facebook page about, um, it's, it's just getting to know your business, isn't it? And it's not just yeah. befores and afters. There's loads of different stuff on there. So Yeah, I try um, to. I'm not great at it, but I do, yeah. I try, I do, try and do little bits of snippets and information my dog Bentley is a star <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it so check out million hairs and um make sure Helen, make sure you go back and read over all the comments there's lots of people saying thank you and thank you for the insights and stuff like that and say hello to sarah <laughs> I know I waffle. i'm a waffler but you know, <laughs> it's been brilliant thank you a lot thanks a lot take care thank you bye